couldn't remember what that sound was. I was looking around. <laughs> I'll tell you what I love to do. It's enjoyable is to study the background for a lot of your hymns. And Christmas time is a wonderful time to study the the background on these hymns and uh, how they were written, the context of the the uh, people who wrote them. I know Pastor Reader has a little radio program today in perspective. And this last week he was going over several of these hymns and the spiritual significance, the scripture they were based upon. And and uh, the meaning behind them. I mean, it was uh, really inspirational. But it is great to study those hymns, and when you study them and understand them, the background it makes it so much more meaningful as you sing them. Uh, would you please open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter nine? Isaiah chapter nine. I'm going to start reading at verse two. If I were to ask you this morning what your favorite Christmas verse is, many of you might say it would be Isaiah 9-6, which is a great Christmas verse. But you know what? It's a great verse for every day, not just for Christmas. It's also a wonderful verse to begin our new year. Let's read. Uh, The people walked in darkness and have seen a great light. Those who dwell on a land of darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping water in battle tumult, And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For us to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this it's interesting um this verse and Isaiah is a remarkable chapter. It's almost, somebody said, the Christ in Isaiah, you can see it all through the book. And Isaiah predicted many of these statements that he gave. It was well over 700 years, almost 800 years before Christ was born. That he'd be coming as both God and man. That Jesus Christ would be God incarnate upon the earth. Isaiah 7.14, which you're familiar with, he'll be born of a virgin. Uh, But all through Isaiah, you see Christ. But who was this man coming to Bethlehem? Uh, I did find several people helpful years ago studying this, and Warren Wisby is one, but also John MacArthur. He says, what child is this? Some say that he was just a good teacher, but good teachers don't claim to be God. Some say he was merely a good example, but good examples don't mingle with prostitutes and sinners. Some say that he was a madman, but madmen don't speak the way he spoke. Some say that he was a religious phony, but phonies don't rise from the dead. 
Some say that he was only a myth, but myths don't set the calendar for history. When the new year comes, every time you write 2019, you're testifying to Christ and his birth. Some say, um, uh, say, but myths don't set the calendar for history. The Bible says that he is God incarnate. Now, Isaiah chapter 9, 6 gives four or five titles to the Messiah to help describe him. But names are important. Bible, they're very important. They all have a meaning behind them. There are hundreds of names for Jesus and titles of him in the Bible. And each one gives a revelation or a glimpse into who he is. It reveals what Christ is in himself and what he wants to do for us. As a man, he was born unto us, which shows his humanity. One sermon I love to give at Christmas is the genealogy of Christ in Matthew 1. I just love studying that. But also shows his divinity. Uh, A child, he was given. And some people say there's four names here. uh, Wonderful uh, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Some people say there's five names. They take that wonderful counselor and separate that into two names. That's where I like to separate it. The old King James would put a comma between wonderful and counselor. Um, But the uh, word wonder comes from the Hebrew word meaning to separate or to distinguish. Throughout the Old Testament, it's translated marvelous, hidden, it's too high, too difficult, it's a miracle. Carries the idea of being unique and different. True wonder penetrates, it's not just sensationalism. And it should create in us an attitude of humility. We are overwhelmed and sense in ourselves the greatness of God and the littleness of man. So why is Jesus called wonderful? It would surprise us if he were not called wonderful. Uh, He always did the extraordinary. There was God manifest in the flesh. He performed miracles. He turned the ordinary water with ordinary ordinary stone pots, and the extraordinary happened. It turned water to wine. All through the life of Christ, you see miracles after miracle. Peter learned it when he fished all night early in his, when Christ was calling him. He fished all night without success, and when Jesus gave orders, a new experience happened. He saw so many fish he could not hold them all. He also learned that Jesus could let him walk on water. He calmed the waves and the storms. You have in that passage <coughs> one of the shortest prayers in the Bible, Lord, save me. You can't leave any word out. And uh, anyway, the Lord did uh, permit him to walk in the water, go back to the boat. But we do see him all through the light. But whatever he touched and blessed, he made wonderful. Everything about Jesus is wonderful, his birth, his life, and his words. Uh, Do you need something wonderful in your life? Can you share the wonder of Jesus, what he's doing in your life? Unless you know the wonder of him, you cannot come to him for counsel or for power. But wonder leads to worship. Wonder leads to worship. And worship to growth, growth to character and service, 
A wonder begins when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life and you experience the forgiveness of sins and the invasion of a whole new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But anyway, when you are born again into God's family, you receive a whole new set of spiritual senses. The inner person is raised from the dead, and the dead is given divine life. And you understand the wonder of Christ. It says, Wonderful Counselor. Of all those names in here, the one that I, uh, I, I just stands out to me so strongly is Counselor. Bruce Walkie in his word study book, in fact, was one of my teachers in seminary, says, someone, Counsel, someone whose plans, purposes, designs, and decrees for the people are marvelous. Someone whose plans, purposes, designs, and decrees for the people are marvelous. If you have Christ as your counselor, you cannot go wrong. And during his incarnation, Jesus demonstrated wisdom as a counselor. <clears throat> All through the life of Christ, in dealing with individuals who came to him for counsel, he knew what to say, when to reach out to a hurting heart, and when to rebuke someone. John 7:46. the officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. As God incarnate, Christ is a source of all truth. John 14, 6-7. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the light, and no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you have known the Father of my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I am the way and the truth and the light. But we, there's a necessity for God's counsel. You and I need God's counsel. Jesus Christ is the counselor. <clears throat> he is to us all that we need. <clears throat> but we do need God's counsel. Why? We have a heart problem. All right? Our hearts are deceived. <clears throat> and this is a real key in regular counseling. Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? <clears throat> Jesus saw that Peter's heart was different than he saw it. In other words, Peter saw his heart one way, and Jesus saw it another. <clears throat> Peter saw his heart with courage and stability. Peter, uh, Jesus saw cowardice and failure. And that's true with us. We don't really understand our own hearts. Our minds are limited. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So our hearts are deceitful, and we do not even know our own hearts. And the pressures of the world, after you go through what we call a conversion experience, coming to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're suddenly aware of a world system that's going completely against what you've been taught. And uh, you have to learn how to live into it, live in it. And it says Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, uh, 
present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is a spiritual form of worship, that we are to present ourselves to God in a spiritual form of worship, and don't let the world around us conform us. J.B. Phillips translate that to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. J.B. Phillips, an old translation, a paraphrase, says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. <clears throat> but the Living Bible says, <clears throat> don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. So we do see that uh, aspect, that we are living in a world that is completely against everything that we believe. It's like we're swimming upstream. And all of a sudden, we're developing or challenged to develop what we call a Christian world life view. But it says, do not be conformed to this world. Satan blinds the world, the minds of unbelievers, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 to 4. And he seeks to deceive the minds of believers, 2 Corinthians 11. Now, when you become a believer, God does not give you a blueprint for the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be great? think would that be great to have a blueprint of everything for the rest of your life i don't think it'd be great i think we kind of boring in some ways you know everything is going to happen uh, but god challenges us to live a life of faith and in god's word he does give us principles and the promises so hebrews eleven six says without faith it is difficult to please him now it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to him, to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The giving of counsel to his children is one of God's most gracious works. He does it with love and kindness. Uh, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally, and he does not scold, and it shall be given to him. As one man paraphrased it. We grow by being forced into coming to Christ, our counselor, which matures us, strengthens us, and brings us more glory to God. There's really not any other way. And God does have a plan for our life. We're not led to drift or wander, for he knows where we ought to be and what we ought to do. When we seek his counsel, we are not asking for a luxury. We're asking for a necessity. <laughs> what we have we need god's counsel we need his direction but also think through christ is uniquely qualified to be our counselor as both god and man jesus is unique in being your counselor colossians, colossians 2 9 for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily first of all he knows us um And the counseling that I do through my ministry, one of the biggest challenges is to find out what the, what the problem is the person has that's coming to me. Uh, and sometimes it takes months. Uh, they, the, usually the problem they come in with is not their real problem. And you have to spend literally months asking questions, getting to know them, visiting with them. And uh, all of a sudden, I just kind of ding, there's a problem. That's what we're really wrestling with. Psalm 139 uh, says, O Lord, uh, have, you have searched me and known me, that God knows there's nothing that God, Jesus Christ, does not know. 
You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. My lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So he is uniquely qualified because he knows us inside and out. Last couple of years, I've had a few uh, MRIs. Fortunately, things turned out okay. Or an x-ray. And that's designed to see inside us. I mean, God knows you so much better. I mean, he knows you so much better than anything can ever come close to examining you. But the good thing, he can examine our hearts. He knows where he's coming from. But he's also a man. He was born into this world. He grew up, labored, suffered, and died, and able to enter into the experiences that burden us. You cannot say, uh, you can say to a human who is trying to help you, you do not understand. But you cannot say that to Jesus because he does understand. Hebrews 2, 17, 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In other words, there's nothing unusual that we're going through that he hasn't experienced. He loves us because uh, he speaks the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in him and to everyone who is ahead into Christ. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He also encourages us, let not your hearts be troubled. And he even he was going to send another comforter. A good counselor uh, does not protect us from the problems of life. They're going to be there but prepares us for life's problems and helps us face them honestly and courageously. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. He hides us, our strength. He helps us. Does not just give us good advice, but uh, the strength we need to do what he tells us to do. He's also patient with us. Human counselors have a tendency to lose patience with their clients. Um, sometimes your counseling ministry people don't really listen to what you're trying to share with them and not applying it and they'll be, they're coming for literally years sometimes not just one or two sessions or ten but years I'll be honest with you I, I have a wrestle with my patience through the spirit when I said love, joy, peace, patience I've never gotten past patience that just seems to tie me up. But anyway, as a counselor, we can lose patience. But Jesus says, John 16, 12, I have still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He knows the right time, the right circumstance for revealing a new truth or reminding us of an old truth. <clears throat> Jesus is working with us all our lives. He's going to be working with you till you go home in glory. Talk about patience. And with all our failings, shortcomings. Y'all say, those are hearts. John chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. He says, now when Jesus was in Jerusalem, 
At the Passover feast, many believed in his name, and when they saw signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And no one uh, needed no one to bear witness about man, for he knew what was in man. He knows our hearts, and it's not pretty. Also, he prays for us. John 17, uh, 9, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the whole world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours. So we do need counsel. We have deceitful hearts, depraved hearts. Uh, we have a unique counselor, Jesus Christ. He's unique. He knows us uh, inside and out. He loves us in spite of what he sees. He speaks truth to us. He encourages us. He's patient with us, praise the Lord, and he knows our hearts and say, and he prays for us. So how does he counsel? Through his word. Psalm 119, 24. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Psalm 119, 98 to 100. It says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For it's ever before me, I have more understanding than all my teachers. I always love that verse. Uh, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. <laughs> Through God's word and coming to Christ, we have wisdom to life we would never have without it. And also he counsels us through his spirit, Isaiah 11:2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. It's a wonderful gift that Christ gave. He says, many more things yet can you do than I am doing. That when Christ went to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit, uh, when you become a believer, we have a relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 says we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You don't seal something, unseal it. It's like a letter. When you mail a letter and you seal that envelope, it's not to be opened until it gets to where it's going. That's the law. Uh, I was in North Carolina years ago, and uh, I was uh, Texas did not have an income tax, state income tax, so I wasn't used to have having a state income tax. So I was mailing on April 15th two letters. One was to the government, my federal tax, and one was to the state for my state tax. And I dropped it. The mailbox, and all of a sudden, I had this horrible thought that I dropped the wrong check into the wrong envelope. So I waited around literally for a couple of hours for the postman to come and open up the mailbox and told him my situation. I wanted to see if I can get my letters back. And you know what he told me? He says, No way. He says, You can go down to the main post office and ask them, and they probably won't do it either. Uh, so I learned a good lesson, and I did mail the wrong check to the wrong people. Uh, and uh, had a little penalty because of that too. But uh, you become a believer, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit through coming to Christ, placing your faith in Him. A wonderful gift that we have is the indwelling Holy Spirit. And it's really important in Christian life because when you do read your Bible and He does teach us and counsel us through His Bible, the Holy Spirit is there interacting. Haven't you read your Bible sometimes and just had to jump off the page? Are you going through a difficult time you think it was written just for you? That's the Holy Spirit. It's what we call illumination, that God's bringing his word up to us. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, Acts uh, 16, 6 to 7, and the Holy Spirit guides us. And they went through the region of Nigeria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And he also counsels through circumstances to give us counsel and direction. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He can also use people to help us through in counseling. First Peter 3, uh, 12, our counselor will often... Um, let me share something about that. Um, God many times can use people to help us. It says in Proverbs 27, 9, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, but the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The... Uh, it's happened several times in my life, uh, but one time I'd worked with this church part-time when I was in seminary, and I was away for several years, and the church was going to call me back to serve with them full-time uh, in one of their ministries with Christian education. And one of their elders, who I knew quite well, took me out to lunch, and he says, uh, Dave, I don't think you ought to accept this call. Uh, our church had pulled out of the PCUS, and back in those days, if you pulled out, you could lose your property. And uh, our church was in a lawsuit. And it was a pretty good-sized church we had. And then uh, also we had some fractions in the church, uh, some different groups. And he was dead serious. Uh, but, you know, I accepted that call, and it was one of the most wonderful ministries I ever had. Uh, so you got to be careful listening to people. You've got to make sure these things line up. Now, God can use counsel. He's used it in my life many times. Fortunately, one of my closest friends at Briarwood is over the counseling department, so I, I get free counsel every day, so I'm, I'm blessed. But another time when I was coming to Briarwood, um, our church, our, our senior pastor, and I'd just been there a few years, got a call to go to Reform Seminary to be on their faculty. And I... Uh, and so I was acting as interim for a while. And uh, Broadwood was issuing this call uh, to me. And our most respected elder, who we a very young church then, it was a newer church, uh, very respected elder took me out for lunch. And he says, Dave, and he's dead serious, he says, I don't think it's God's will that you leave. And uh, if there's anybody's counsel, I respect it in our church, it was his. But I already made that commitment, told him I had, and uh, that was over 20 years ago. You can use God's counsel, uh, but come to Jesus first. See what he's going to tell you. And that's the problem is too many times uh, we're trying to get people to agree with what we want them to agree with. But the real key um, an application, we need to seek God's counsel. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, it says in Proverbs, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of the Lord. Many people come to counseling with their minds already made up on a prepackaged plan. They're not going, willing, willing to go to the Bible, to the Lord, and um, to the Bible in prayer to seek His wisdom. Uh, we need to wait for it. Psalm 106, 13, um, or John 16:12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. God's delays prepare us for God's blessings, but when He shows you His counsel, uh, accept it. Uh, don't argue with it. Do not ask him to revise it and and uh, say accept it. God's will is not given for our approval. It's given for our acceptance. But the uh, 
The more two people love each other, the more they involve each other in the plans and activities of life. Your counselor wants to be a part of every part of your life. God does not need our counsel. We need his. And uh, Romans 11.34, who has known the mind of the Lord or, why has, or who has been his counselor? But we need to come to him and seek his will and his guidance. Now, interesting, uh, we just had a wonderful Advent season, Christmas. But Christmas also can be one of the most depressing times of the year for a lot of people. More depression this time of year than almost any other time. It's difficult. People are going through difficult times. Several reasons. One times people tend to idolize it. Uh, uh, I remember uh, have flashbacks to those wonderful Christmases when they were growing up. Always can go back in time and always looks more wonderful. But anyway, when I was growing up, one of my closest friends, mother was from Minnesota, and she cried every year when she heard Bing Crosby and Freeman have a white Christmas. Uh, well, that's common. Well, my problem I was from Dallas. I never knew what snow was. Uh, people are affected by the world system. Uh, these young couples, particularly, going tremendous amount of debt to buy toys, which are in the attic in a few months, and they're still having to pay the bills off for half the years. But loneliness, it's, it can be a very lonely time of the year, particularly if somebody's lost a sibling. Uh, the pastoral pastor at Broadwood and I, we had a luncheon for a widowers recently, before Christmas, just to talk to them about going through the Christmas season. Uh, very good time. The, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, particularly if somebody's experienced a loss, it can be a very difficult time, or even it can happen years ago. And every Christmas comes around bringing back memories. But remember, the good Satan is alive and well during Christmas. And think about it. There's more about Christ this time of year than any other time. Why wouldn't he be active? I think he's very active in family relationships, too, and get-togethers. I've seen that happen many a time. Families getting together for the holidays and uh, very difficult times. But the good news is we have a wonderful counselor one that we can come close to. And uh, he knows us backwards and forwards before a word is on our lips, the days of our lives. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. I do believe in counseling. There's a definite need there, but also believe in the counselor. A lot of times people come to us for counseling and our job is to turn them up. They need to come to Christ first. They need to spend time in his word. And you do see that a whole lot in counseling. People are not spending time with the Lord. The good news is uh, we do have one. And uh, this time of year, it's a great time to sit down and reflect upon what you want to accomplish this coming year. Now, fortunately, hopefully many of you all already have a time with the Lord. But I challenge people, if they don't, just come in here. Just start off spending five or ten minutes a day. You can, always, you can spend an hour. The key is getting started. Because once you get started, you can just keep going. I know this morning in my quiet time, I just had a hard time cutting that off. It just seemed like I was just seeing some things I hadn't seen before. I've read some of these books a hundred times. Uh, but if you want to draw close to God... 
and to Jesus Christ who is our counselor. And I'll, I'll challenge you with something else, to have a little prayer list, a prayer journal. Just start writing down your request that you want to bring before Christ and in prayer and date it. It's fun to look back and look at that prayer journal, and you can really see how God has been working in your life. And you can also thank him for unanswered prayer. Say, Lord, I am glad that you did not answer that. I've heard there's several ways that uh, God answers prayer. Yes, no, wait, and you got to be kidding. <laughs> but anyway, he's there. But it is a, a great time of year to come close to him, to draw close to him, to sit in and make a few commitments. I'm not saying to make a whole lot. I'd remake a few and keep them. And I have to go back now and see what I didn't commit me, what didn't work last year, and revise it for the coming year. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for being the great counselor. Uh, Jesus Christ came to earth, experienced a horrible death and burial. Fortunately, we have a wonderful resurrection that through placing our faith and trust in him that we have a new life. And we have a new counselor, too, one that is there with us every day. I just pray for everybody here. It'll be a wonderful year coming up. And we just thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen.